and welcome to this Endo Life episode 113. I'm Jessica Duffin, I'm an Endo Warrior, an Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This podcast is here to educate and shouldn't be used as a replacement for your current medical treatment. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community they're getting loads of feedback about it and you know if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them don't know you can have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top which is um what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing so um i would love to do that but um i don't have a bath so i can't but if you have a bath um then you know i think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain so if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk. And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Okay, guys, just to give you a heads up, I'm very particular. So it might not be a problem for you guys, but it bothers me. So I just want to say I'm still having this breath issue where you can hear my breath a bit louder than normal because what we thought was a broken lead on our mic is actually a broken mic. So I'm still using the old one whilst we're choosing a new mic and getting that delivered. So we are kind of editing the sound, but there's only so much you can do with this quality of mic so I'm sorry and I really hope it's not bothering you too much I'm actually standing further away from the mic um but I can't I can't stand back too far otherwise you won't be able to hear me so yeah I hope it's not too much of a problem I also wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. Semaine is an anti-inflammatory supplement that you take two days before your period and during your period and the lovely girl sent me a couple of bottles because I've been having or kind of experiencing high levels of inflammation since doing my SIBO treatment and I was really worried about it and also we celebrated Thanksgiving this year which we don't usually do but Thanksgiving happened on my period so the starch kind of and the very high levels of carbohydrates from all the sweet potatoes and the potatoes are not good for me and my endo normally you know our parts of the month that wouldn't be a problem but having kind of like a big amount of starch that just basically gets converted into glucose hours before my period is not a good idea for me because I'm so sensitive and so having those uh, supplements was such a help because my period was bad in comparison to what I normally have but I cannot imagine what it would be like had I not had those supplements so thank you for those girls. If you want to check out those supplements, I actually interview Lauren and Catherine, the founders, on the show. So definitely go back to that 
episode and listen to the interview and you can check them out at semainhealth.com and that's S-E-M-A-I-N-E. Okay, so for the past two weeks, I've talked about the link between allergies and endo and histamines and quite clearly, I'm sure you have seen by now that there's just an undeniable link between them all and they're all very overlapping. And so today I want to talk about seven strategies to help you alleviate your allergies and to reduce your histamine symptoms. Now, when I'm talking about allergies, I'm not talking about something like a peanut allergy, like a really severe life-threatening allergy. Uh, They're usually lifelong. I'm talking about more, you know, flare-ups of hives, eczema, sneezing, worsening respiratory problems like worsening asthma. And these aren't in a particular order as it really depends on what's best for you and your unique situation. But I will say that healing the gut is generally important for everyone with endo and who are struggling with allergies. So I will just caveat that. Um, And I'm sure if you spoke to someone like Dr. Becky Campbell, who's a histamine expert, she would have kind of a, um, a process that you would take in order to manage your allergies and reduce them. But because I'm not an expert on histamines and allergies, I'm not going to kind of give you a particular structure. But I will say that I do think healing the gut. I think all of these are important, but actually I feel like healing the gut and removing allergens and potentially trying out a low histamine diet could be some of the most influential strategies that you put in place. Okay, so number one is trying out a low histamine diet. So think of your body as having a histamine bucket. And when that bucket overflows, it results in reactions. So your body can only take a certain amount of histamines at each time um, on, on each day. So imagine that you're eating like tomatoes and avocado and chocolate and tea and it's piling up histamines and you're exposed to mold and you have cats and it's really polluted where you are and you've got like interstitial cystitis, there's more histamine in your gut lining and there's histamines being released from endometriosis and you have higher levels of estrogen. You've got a lot of histamine going on in a situation like that. So the bucket eventually overflows and that's when you get histamine intolerance reactions. And, you know, I mentioned this last week, but we're looking at symptoms like runny nose, nasal congestion, coughing, worsening asthma, eczema, rosacea, hives, headaches, fatigue, dizziness, heart palpitations, all of those. If you need a full list, go back to last week's episode and have a listen or just read the show notes because I list them in there. Now, if we can lower histamine exposure, then we can calm down the body in the short term whilst we're healing these kind of root causes of the histamine problems. Because it's not, it's very unlikely that it's just the foods on their own that's causing the problem. There's a reason why you can't tolerate those foods. So high histamine foods or foods that liberate histamine from other foods include foods like cheese, yogurt, fermented foods like sauerkraut, alcohol, tea, coffee, cultured foods like sour cream, chocolate, avocado, strawberries, spinach, dried fruit. So a lot of a lot of good things, I'm afraid. Those are just some of the foods. The most comprehensive list that I've seen is in Dr. Becky Campbell's book, The Four Phase Histamine Reset Plan. And this isn't a long-term protocol. It's not something you have to be on for the rest of your life. It's more like an elimination diet, you eliminate these foods 
then you get on top of the root cause, you start healing and then start introducing these foods again and seeing which ones you flare up to the most. And it might be that there's one like one or two that you need to keep out in the longer term or that you need to have a lower histamine diet for you know, the foreseeable future whilst you heal, but it's not supposed to be a long-term plan. So I will say that I did this. Uh, I did a kind of more extreme version because mine, the one that I did was low histamine and low oxalate. And I didn't notice a change in reactions in terms of like sneezing, nasal congestion, that kind of thing. I wasn't particularly looking though, because the reason why we did this diet was because of my bladder pain. So that's where I was focusing the most. But I did experience a huge change in my heart palpitations and racing heart, um, though my dizziness got much worse, uh, but that could have been many things. And my bladder pain got much worse. But I think that the reason my bladder pain got worse is because I was so stressed by the diet. Because if I eat spinach, citrus fruits, avocado, tomatoes, spices like cinnamon, if I eat yogurt, any cultured food, I'm in so much more pain with my bladder than I am no than I am in normally. Now I'm in pain with my bladder pretty much all the time, but it's so bad if I have spinach or if I have citrus fruits or avocado. So it's definitely fair to say that there's a histamine component, but in that situation, the stress kind of overrode any of the benefits of removing those foods out. And I think it's now that I am healing my gut and I'm seeing improvements there. And as a result, I feel less stressed because I feel like I have some answers that I think my bladder is starting to respond better to lower histamines because I haven't introduced them all back into my diet. And I am mindful of some of them. Um, and like I said, if I, if I introduce them, then my bladder pain goes back up. So it's definitely more responsive at the moment. So number two is healing the gut. So your body needs to be able to break down histamine and clear it from the body. And that happens in your gut. And the liver plays a big role as well, but it happens in the gut. And you've got a couple of different ways that this happens. But two of the main components to this are the enzymes DAO and MAO. And if your gut is compromised, then you may not have these enzymes in your gut to be able to break them down. So two of the key problems that can affect your body's ability to break down histamines and that compromises your gut are leaky gut and SIBO. And I'm only really going to focus on those two today because I think they're the most relevant for us with endo. So leaky gut can aggravate the immune system and can cause low DAO. So if you haven't heard of leaky gut, what it is, is the intestine, your intestine is lined with a very, very thin layer of tissue. It's actually one cell thick. And this lining is made up of all of these cells, one cell thick, tightly packed together so that only nutrients can pass through. Now, what can happen in leaky gut is that for some reason, the gaps between the cells begin to widen and then things can, other things can pass through like larger food particles and bacteria. And so your body starts reacting to whatever is passing through these holes. Your immune system 
is sitting on the other side of this gut lining and so is your bloodstream ready to absorb nutrients and your immune system is there ready to attack anything that shouldn't come through like you know food poisoning like bacteria and viruses but your immune system doesn't notice a difference between like a chunk of cheese and a virus so it starts attacking them both if there's something passing through that isn't that shouldn't be there it's going to start attacking this causes the immune reaction which releases histamines so you have this heightened histamine reaction going on in your body and more inflammation in your body but on top of that leaky gut can cause low dao the enzyme because having leaky gut can compromise the levels of digestive enzymes in your body and can also result in nutrient deficiencies and we need adequate nutrients to make enough DAO. So often we might see nutrient deficiencies involved in histamine intolerance. Now SIBO plays a role, as you know we discussed SIBO last week, but SIBO causes low digestive enzymes. SIBO actually eats our digestive enzymes. The bacteria involved in SIBO feed of carbohydrates and our digestive enzymes are made out of amino acids and carbohydrates and so the SIBO goes along and attacks our digestive enzymes and breaks them apart so that they can consume the carbohydrates. So we have low digestive enzymes so we can't properly break down our food and break down and clear histamine but also not all the bacteria but some bacteria can produce more histamine and depending on the kind of levels of bacteria that you have in your gut from the SIBO and the type of SIBO that you have this may produce more histamine in your body so not only are you actually creating more histamine your body is struggling to get rid of it. So there are other things that can compromise your gut health and that can include food intolerances, parasites, candida, worms, bacterial imbalance And so it can be really important to get on top of what's going on with your gut. It might not, you know, if you don't have SIBO, then it could be one of the others. And leaky gut is really usually involved in all of these. So healing the gut for me is an ongoing process and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It really started with me identifying my food tolerances years ago, which, you know, you guys know that I work on and I avoid those foods most of the time. I've now identified that I have SIBO so I'm currently doing my treatment rounds and I'm on my I start my second treatment round on Wednesday and then from there once the SIBO has cleared I will start repairing my gut wall with particular supplements um, and protocols. It's definitely a long process but it's going to be really worth doing and if you suspect that your gut health is a problem I would suggest going back to my episodes on understanding the endobelly part one, two, and three, listening to my episodes on SIBO, especially the one that I talk about testing for SIBO. I would, you know, if you can get tested for SIBO, there's also a test called the GI map, which I talk about in those episodes. And they that test will test for parasites, worms, bacterial imbalances, viruses, infections, etc., H. pylori, that kind of thing. And you can also have an indication of whether you've got leaky gut. So I would recommend getting those tests if you can. If you can't, then I talk about in those episodes, first and second line therapies to begin healing your gut and giving your gut a chance to recover. So definitely check those out. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. 
These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Number three is look for mold. Mold is a really big problem specific, like, well, especially in the UK. I don't know about in other countries, but it's a big problem in the UK within households. I saw something like 70% of houses have damp or mold, but I, I don't quote me on that, but I know it's a very big problem in the UK and mold exposure causes people to be more likely to have asthma, allergies, sinus problems, respiratory infections. Symptoms of mold exposure include headaches, fatigue, dizziness, obviously like these allergic reactions, so like rashes and sinus problems, etc. And obviously look out for it. So start by looking for the mold and look in places that you might not think to look, like pull out all of your furniture, pull out your bed, Look behind your cupboards, look behind your wardrobes, look behind your sofas, even look behind your radiators. Look in the cupboard under the stairs. This has been probably the biggest game changer for me, not necessarily with my bladder, but with my kind of sinus allergic reactions. We pulled out the entire storage that was under the stairs and there was so much mold, like literally suitcases had rotted away that were at the back of the cupboard and were kind of like, it was like the upside down had started to like infiltrate (laughs) these suitcases. If you haven't seen Stranger Things, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. Just Google the upside down. So since we cleared out that cupboard, we chucked a whole load of stuff we really like disinfected it. We cleared it all. We put the dehumidifier under the stairs for most of the day. I've seen a dramatic improvement in my allergies. I thought I'd already seen a dramatic improvement, but now it it's really, really noticeable how much better I'm feeling. And we just kind of ruthlessly went through everything to look for mold because we knew our house was humid. We wake up with condensation on the windows every single day and so there was mold in places that we hadn't noticed like mold was growing on our like house plants in the soil um so clearing that it was growing behind the radiators when we took the radiators off the walls to clean them um there was like mold behind the radiators and so just really kind of just looking in places where you wouldn't expect where it's not obvious and obviously trying to keep on top of anywhere that it is obvious but I think the biggest issue for us is not just keeping on top of the mold but it was more about well preventing it in the first place and having a flat that's so humid I had to end up buying a dehumidifier 
And when I got the dehumidifier and turned it on, the humidity in our house was 82%. Um, Mold thrives at 70%. And a healthy level of humidity in the house is 30 to 60%. 40% is a good range, I'm personally finding. So some tips would be to obviously clear the mold, get a humidity sensor, and if your humidity is really high, look into buying a dehumidifier. I'm putting links in the show notes to where you can compare prices and learn about dehumidifiers because actually there's quite a bit to consider. So I had to go down a rabbit hole of like researching them and working out which one was going to be best for our house. And it has changed the game having this dehumidifier. It, it's changed so much. Like our walls would drip with like condensation when we were cooking or when we were drying clothes. It's just really changed the level of humidity in the house. And if it's not on, you can feel it. It it feels like you're at a swimming bot pool or like at a sauna. So clear the mold. Get a humidity sensor, open your windows like 15 minutes each day at minimum to, I always open my windows like straight away in the morning no matter how cold it is because the condensation is so bad. Something else that I've done which was also a really big game changer was I bought these non-toxic anti-mold and anti-dust mite sprays by BioLife and I one is called Home Cleanse and one is called Air Cleanse and the home cleanse is for soft furnishings that you can't like dry clean or clean like sofas. So you spray daily? No, every three days you spray on your soft furnishings and then the air spray you spray every day and just notice such a difference. It was it was really remarkable with that. Um, I'm going to keep keep buying it. I think it's a, I think it's a great um, help. Also, double check things like your plants. Plants also actually add humidity to the air. So even though they're good for like cleansing the air, they do add humidity. We have a lot of house plants and they were all in, a lot of them were in our bedroom. And since I've moved them out of the bedroom, I've been a lot better with my congestion. So that that was really noticeable. Oxford have a report on mold and humidity and damp in the home and ways to kind of prevent it and ways to identify it if the mold isn't obvious in your house, but like humidity is a problem. So I'm linking to that in the show notes. And number four is similar to this one, but kind of identifying and removing airborne allergens like dust, well, not just airborne allergens, but any allergens like dust mites and pollen, uh, cat hair that might be in the house. So when my allergies really started kicking off, we thought it was because we have a mulberry tree out the back and that the mulberry trees are actually like illegal in certain states in the US because of how bad an allergen they are or how bad people react to their pollen. So we thought that that was the problem, but then kind of hay fever season passed and it continued to go on. So I think it can sometimes be difficult to identify like what is causing what and it's not easy to notice whether you have like dust mites in the house unless obviously your house is clear you know clearly needing a clean it can be difficult to identify these issues so other than you know this constant mold that we were keeping on top of and cleaning all the time there wasn't anything there wasn't any kind of specific area that I felt like 
okay, this is this is the culprit. So I just started deep cleaning every single room, um, took down like all of the curtains, the blind, like washed everything, um, clean cleaned the carpets, like just deep cleaned as if we were like, I don't, as if we had like COVID in the house or like we were like moving house. And because I haven't been well, it's been a bit of a process to do that. I could sort of do like one room across two days. And even like in the hallway where we hang up our coats, I got all of the coats dry cleaned or if I could clean them here, if I could wash them here, I washed them just because I thought, well, you know, coats been sitting since winter, like just anything that, anything that I could clean, I cleaned. I even went to the extent of like buying new bedding, new duvets, like just tried to get rid of as much as I could that I felt could be holding a lot of dust mites and that I wasn't sure if, you know, if we could get on top of it. And then obviously I, I treated everything with the home spray that I mentioned. And really like every week as we go through each room, which we've, we've now done everywhere now, my allergies have been dramatically improving. So definitely don't overlook this. Like, you know, your house might be clean you might clean regularly or it might be really tidy but just I don't think it can hurt to just pull everything out as if you're literally moving house and clearing and cleaning kind of every nook and cranny that's like I pulled out the bed I pulled out the wardrobes like the cupboards just pulled out everything so go deep with the cleaning and what you can also do is buy an air purifier so when I have the budget that's what I'm going to do as my next step because a good quality air purifier will catch the allergens, the pollen, the dust mites, the mold in the air. And there's one that I'm looking into that absorbs, I think, something like 88% of mold from the air. So, and all of the allergens. So I think it's 88% mold and 99.9% of other allergens. So I'll link to that in the show notes, the one that I'm looking at, but there are there are plenty that you can look at, but you just want to go for a really high quality one. Okay, so number five, don't roll your eyes, but it's stress. So stress actually raises histamines in the blood. And I've actually seen this occur with my clients when they're doing really well and they get really stressed and then they have an awful histamine reaction and I mean, you can't deny the histamine reaction. It's so strong. It's really interesting. So don't underestimate the power of stress. And when it comes to stress, it's not just psychological stress that I'm talking about. It's physiological stress as well, such as over-exercising, rushing, being inflamed in your body, being sleep deprived, having nutrient deficiencies. Those are all stresses for the body and will put you in the flight or fight response, turn on the stress response. So obviously, you know, looking into your lifestyle factors, are you rushing around? Are you sleeping enough? Are you over-exercising? Can you get on top of certain inflammation? Are you spending too much time at work? You know, addressing any areas, and, and this might take a while to do. So I would start with adding in strategies that are going to help to take you out of the stress response. So start getting your brain used to coming out of the flight or fight response. You're not existing in that place all the time. And meditation, yoga and breath work have all been shown to reduce cortisol and lower the stress response and actually put you in the rest and digest mode. 
Okay, number six is balancing your hormones. So I talked about last week the link between estrogen and histamine. And we know that that estrogen increases histamine release and then histamines increase estrogen levels. So you then have this vicious cycle going on. And estrogen dominance or excess estrogen is a really common hormonal imbalance generally, um, not you know, not specifically with people with endometriosis. And I have heard some doctors and experts say they don't really see hormonal imbalances with people with endometriosis, um, but then other clinicians say they do. And to be honest, I see estrogen dominance in a lot of my clients. So I think perhaps it, you know, perhaps it varies, but you can test to see if you have estrogen dominance. The test is called a Dutch test. It is quite expensive. It's near on £500. But unless you specifically need that test and you're going to be bringing in really strong supplements and, you know, we want to make sure that you're not just taking them for no reason, I don't really think you need to do that test if you can't afford it. You could actually just start implementing healthy daily strategies to support hormonal balance and you will see a difference in your hormones. So some of the key things you can do for estrogen dominance is having a daily bowel movement because that's going to clear out any old and excess estrogen that needs to clear out and that has to happen on a daily basis. Lowering alcohol and caffeine because they both raise um, estrogen levels, especially alcohol and also it's going to alcohol, caffeine, sugar stimulants, they're going to burden the liver and the liver plays a really big role in clearing out estrogen. Eating cruciferous vegetables because again they support the body in clearing estrogen, um, excess and old estrogen that needs to leave the body. Balancing blood sugar. Balancing blood sugar is so key to hormonal balance. It's just kind of the number one starting point. So those are some of the key strategies. Of course like I'm giving you guys an overview of all of these strategies and these strategies to kind of dive into more. So see my tips in my show notes. I've put two links to my to two episodes on estrogen dominance and tips and strategies to alleviate estrogen dominance. So I would head over there and start start with those. But really beginning with balancing your blood sugar is going to take you very far. And if you have constipation, working out why and get into the root of that. And those endo belly episodes will help with that as well. Okay, number seven is supplements. So I have kept these to the, you know, to the end because I want us to get to the root cause. I tried supplements, antihistamine supplements, when I was doing my um, low histamine diet. And I didn't really see them doing anything. And I think the reason being is because my body was just so overwhelmed with the amount of toxins in the house from the mold and the humidity causing like dust mites and mold and who knows where that was like affecting that we couldn't visually, you know, we couldn't see I think I was just, my body was just so overwhelmed of that and obviously overwhelmed with stress as well that I was just trying to put a Band-Aid over the problem and my immune system was overriding that. It wasn't, it you know, the supplements weren't strong enough. So I think that these supplements need to be taken in context and I think it had, if I add, added these in now, I imagine I would have a better response. I'm really curious. I'm not going to get them now because my SIBO treatment is 
just very expensive. So that's where I'm focusing at the moment. But at some point, I definitely would like to try those out. Um, so there are numerous supplements that are helpful for histamine problems and allergies. But some of the most common ones are quercetin, DAO and nettle. So quercetin is a plant compound. Um, it's found in things like apples. And so a lot of histamine experts recommend quercetin. So it's sort of an unquestionable one. I know Dr. Aviva Rom likes 500 milligrams a day, I believe. I've linked to her article because of she she's she's an expert, she's a herbalist and a naturopathic doctor. So I've kind of linked to her doses in the show notes. But she uses quercetin. Dr. Jessica Drummond did um recommend rutin to me, and I was taking that as well, but I don't have a specific dose for you guys. So if I find one, I'll add that into the show notes. DAO, so obviously we know that that's the enzyme that helps to break down histamine. I haven't tried DAO because it is derived from pig's kidneys. And so I haven't tried it as of yet. I'm not eating meat. So I can't personally report on that. The other reason why I haven't taken DAO is because most of the supplements that I found contains vitamin C. And vitamin C in supplement form is aggravating for people with interstitial cystitis. So that has been quite problematic for me. But one of the kind of most well-known high-quality DAO um, supplements you can get is Histamine Block by Seeking Health. And Seeking Health is a really good company, so I do recommend their stuff. The other one is nettle, so freeze-dried nettle. I have tried the tea. I personally just haven't found it strong enough. I've had such severe allergies in the past 18 months that... I think I just need really strong stuff to get through. Dr. Aviva Rom recommends 300 milligrams of freeze-dried nettle and capsules two to three times a day. Now, like I said, there are other supplements, other nutrients that help your body to make DAO, but I just thought I'd give you an overview. And if you want to find out more about the supplements, I really recommend reading the article that I'm linking to by Dr. Aviva Rom, and then also reading Dr. Becky Campbell's book, The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan. And she has all of the supplements in there that she uses. I think another thing to consider as well, actually, with that is I probably wasn't absorbing very well. Um, when I was taking those supplements, we I had um, some tests done and it showed that I wasn't absorbing like most, most of my nutrients. So how I don't know how well I would have absorbed any additional supplements on top of what I was already taking. I think that's changed now, but it's something that you might want to take into consideration. Okay, so those are the seven strategies. As I said, this list isn't exhaustive. There are so many other strategies that you can try. I really recommend doing some further reading and research and looking at Dr. Becky Campbell's book, checking out Dr. Aviva Rom. There are some other articles that I found really interesting that I'm going to share in the show notes. So just maybe explore which options feel good for you and then start, you know, testing out some of those. But know if you try these and these don't all work, it doesn't mean that's the end of the road for you. There are other options to try as well. Um, this is just a starting place. So let me know how you get on. Let me know if you try any of these strategies, how you're feeling. And I would, so many of you responded to me about your allergies that I would just love to hear if you start experiencing some relief. So keep me posted.
Okay, and then finally, before we wrap up, I just want to say if I sound a bit tired today and tripping over my words, it's because I had two hours sleep last night because my bladder was really flaring up as a result of some of the treatment I'm taking for my SIBO. It's aggravated my bladder quite a bit, so I didn't get much sleep at all last night. So yeah, if I'm stumbling a little bit, um, that's why. Just what I should let you guys know before I end this and you're like, why why was she talking so weird so um yeah i'm gonna get a good night's sleep tonight and be back a bit fresher next week if you want to find out more about what i do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um you can head to my instagram page which is this underscore endolife um you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world (laughs) 